0: You know, when things go bad, we'll always need hands to rebuild, we'll always need uh, money to be given, we'll always need our huge organizations to respond, but we also need innovation and new ideas in times of need, you know, especially with all the technology we have these days. We need um, innovators, and I like to fill that little gap.
1: Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today's guests are driven by their faith to find a greater purpose for their lives and use their talents to help others and to reflect God's glory in our world. Photographer and social entrepreneur, Jeremy Cowart, and TV host and writer, Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Up first, Jeremy Cowart is a renowned photographer and the founder of The Purpose Hotel. As an artist, Jeremy endeavors to use his creativity to put the spotlight on situations of need. He discusses his mission of creating an intersection between empathy and creativity and finding his true purpose.
0: My name is Jeremy Cowart. I'm a, a photographer based in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm also the founder of the Purpose Hotel. I was a, a painter first, and then over time became a graphic designer. Did that for a few years, running my own company, and then uh, started shooting just out of curiosity, wanting to explore and learn cameras, and then realized that's all I wanted to do was to be a photographer and so because photography got me out to travel, got me out meeting interesting people away from the computer. So yeah I fell in love with it. I released a a life story um, where I said greatness should serve a greater purpose. So I have a new book called I'm Possible and it's essentially just my life journey. It's not really about me because my story I feel like is everybody's story. It's overcoming the words I can't, overcoming fear, overcoming doubt. Um, And when I say overcoming, I really mean jumping into those things, jumping into fear, jumping into doubt, knowing that God has laid this before us and so we have to go into it, go into the darkness. Um, It's really how we have to get in a rhythm and exercise of, of doing believing not tearing ourselves apart and just seeing what we learn from that even if it does fail because in every failure we still learn so it's then taking the nuggets of information we learned in the failure like I've built apps I've launched nonprofits I've launched an online training business I've done all kinds of things and some of those I would consider commercial failures but to me I still learn so much about collaboration and teamwork and so many other things so on um, the book is really a story about um uh doing things through christ who strengthens us chasing those ideas this paper wads he give us and gives us and then just learning through the process i just love doing things that actually help people whether that's telling a story or doing whatever but it has to also be super creative so i've recently added a mission statement to my website that says um my mission is to explore the intersection of creativity and empathy. There's lots of people who have modeled this creativity meets empathy um, discussion, this intersection. Obviously, Jesus is life on earth. This is the number one example, but I, I do like to still figure out and look at people here living right now. Like, what is that? what does that look like in this crazy world we're living in? Um, I think my friend Bob Goff is an excellent example of his whimsy, you know, he's always just a quirky, fun guy. Um, I look at the work Bono has done over the years through his music and his uh, humanitarian projects. I mean, there's so many examples. It's just a realization over time. It's not like I set out on that journey years ago. This is just a recent thing looking back on my work. Oh, I've done things like after the Gatlinburg wildfires. I went and used my creativity in a very different way to help tell the story. Some wildfires hit East Tennessee uh, in Gatlinburg, and I had grown up going to Gatlinburg a lot with my family. Um, and so it felt like a second home in a way. And uh, I was sitting in church when my pastor, Darren Whitehead, was speaking, and I just kept like thinking, I want to do something to help. and. Um, the words drone and a mattress hit me. Uh, I had never used drones, I didn't know how to use a drone, I didn't own a drone, Um, but uh, I went and found some drone guys and got a cabin rented and I just had this vision of a drone photographing these homeowners in their old home, laying on a white mattress in this stark, dark, brown and black uh, rubble of their former homes and I thought the emotion of that could help tell their story. And um, so we spent five days photographing about 20 families, and um, you know that project ended up uh, being featured on Time magazine and all over the internet and helped raise money for these people to rebuild their homes. After the uh, Haiti earthquake in 2010, um, you know, some 200,000 people died, and it was just, we've had a lot of disasters since then, but I'm not sure many have been that. Devastating. I mean, you had. There hasn't been anything that's wiped out 200,000 people, Um, and so I was just so um, just devastated watching the news and seeing what was going on. I wanted to do something myself to help, and so um, figured out a way to get down there and just tell stories of people because the media was not telling stories; they were just showing the stats. This is how many buildings have fallen down this is how many people have died, but I wasn't really hearing the the humanity in it all, and so I just went down there myself and wanted to give people basically a microphone in the form of a photograph to, kind of a visual tweet to tell their story. Then it ended up being showcased in the United Nations to help raise more money to rebuild Haiti uh, through the United Nations. And so, yeah, I just love trying to figure out how to be uh, an innovator in times of need. When I go into situations of helping others, um, I have to really figure out how to, How does this actually help? I can't go in there and make this about me. I can't be the rock star photographer that's coming in to take pictures, get out, and get good images and splash them around. It has to actually tell a story and to help. And um, I'm not always successful. Some of my projects haven't really helped. Um, But I can say that my intentions are always 100% pure to help and to raise money and to tell a story. Um, And so I think that's number one. And I think when the people understand that you're there to truly give them a platform, help them raise money, help them just through a creative way get back on their feet, then they're open and willing to be a part of your project. Um, But if they see you just trying to be selfish and take cool pictures or whatever, then you're not going to have a lot of luck. So I've recently noticed on social media, not even recently, but for a long time now, that we're becoming increasingly obsessed with ourselves. You know, every, seems like every Instagram account these days is pictures of people like selfies or portraits of themselves or acting like they're, you know, everybody basically trying to become a lifestyle personality, which is fun in some regards. Um, and for some people it works but i just i don't know i just crave to see um people i think there's just danger in that and becoming so obsessed with ourselves and the way we look and the story we're telling that it's just it's i mean there's science that shows it's causing everybody else to be depressed and we're comparing ourselves Oh, i don't look that good i didn't go on that vacation when in reality none of that is true none of that is real life and so I just crave to, to see more um, people f- trying to f- help with their, their tools, use their accounts to, to do good things, to um, showcase others, to tell other stories. I and mean, we can't get enough of that. Because I think we all get to a point where we realize, like, oh, none of that matters, the things that society tells us to chase. And so um, what I realize is that my greatness should serve a greater Good, and that is our greater God, you know, it's a, it's a purpose He gave me in life, and I'm not until I'm not fulfilled until I find that purpose. And then once I do, it's amazing how fulfilling life can be and how much vision um, God can give you once you really find that, that thing that, you know, He's called you to. You know, I, I think of ideas as a little paper wad with the message on it that God throws at me, and I think he throws those at everyone, but most people don't acknowledge it, like, no, it's not for me. They don't even open it, or when they do open it, like, oh, no, I can't do it, it's too big. And so I've just always loved the the excitement of, of hitting, having those paper hit me, and opening it up and be like, all right, this is crazy, but I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna jump in and uh, figure it out, and it's been, um, and they seem to get, bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, and I just take that responsibility and I'm called to it. There's definitely a sense of responsibility now because I do feel like I'm fortunate enough to have really discovered my um, calling. You know, I'm currently in the process of building a hotel chain and you talk about scary, I'm going from being a, a single Self employed artist to now building uh, a maker brand that will exist one day. And as um, scary as I'll get up, but I just, um, I've seen over the course of my career that one idea leads to the next, leads to the next, and uh, all those ideas are from God. And so in 2012, I had a photo shoot uh, at the Standard Hotel in Los Angeles. And I was just walking through the room, uh, I'm sorry, walking through the hallway to my room. And the uh, room numbers were designed like name tags from the 80s that said, hello, my name is Room 121. And for whatever reason, that caught my eye. And um, that's cool, they rethought the room numbers, but what if every room had a story? Well, could that story would be, what if it was a child in their face and their name, and it was telling, you know, sponsoring this child. And then I looked down at my room key, and I was like, oh, and the room keys could be connected to the giving keys. Um, and then when I walked in my room, the rest of the idea hit me. You know, the, the internet fee could fight human trafficking. The soaps and shampoos could come from thistle farms. Um, just the whole vision for the hotel hit me. And again, it was a, a wide moment from God. And um, I was just so overwhelmed by it, but moved by it. And then I spent three years, literally from the age of 35 to 38, saying, nope, God, you got the wrong guy. I cannot do what you're calling me to do. Um, and then um, 2015, he kept knocking, kept nudging me. And um, I remember flying over New York City one day and just thinking, man, all of those skyscrapers had to start somewhere, like with one person. Every one of those buildings has to start with somebody. And if God has called me to be one of those people, then why not? You know. So here we go, let's jump in. And, figured out and now we're, you know, in the process of doing just that and building a, a really large building downtown Nashville. The enemy is going to be always trying to take your eyes off the road. Um, whereas God has set the road ahead of me, he's laid the path and the enemy's over here just trying to distract me. Who am I to think that I can build a new hotel chain in the midst of the hottest city with all the biggest developers? Um, but I'm like, you know what? God has called me to this, and this is what He's set in motion. So I'm just going to keep walking, knowing that the vision He's given me is so different than the rest of the industry, and that I just have to own that and keep walking. I have so many friends who are so hard on themselves, including my wife, who uh, she's a new, newly uh, uh, established real estate agent. Her doubt and her fear and so it just overwhelms her. And it has me, too, and it still does. My wife has always been uh, an extremely disciplined um, uh, person in terms of her quiet time with the Lord in the morning. She, um, we have four kids, and uh, she somehow has a superpower to not function on eight hours of sleep. I have to have my eight hours of sleep. So she wakes up really early, like 5 a.m. Our kids usually wake up around um, seven, I usually wake up around six. I'm usually up before the kids too, but um, but she just has to have that quiet, truly quiet moment on her back porch on a swing with the Jesus Calling uh, book and her devotions. And um, I mean, she's been doing that for as long as I know her. Um, and it's so sweet to walk out every morning. My wife's just out there on the back porch with her robe and a book and the Bible and just just quiet and then, of course when our kids wake up it's utter chaos. Um, But I just have such an admiration for her um, and her discipline uh, to do that every morning because it's not easy when you're a mom of four kids. May 9th says, Don't be so hard on yourself. I can bring good even out of your mistakes. Your finite mind tends to look backward, longing to undo decisions you have come to regret. This is a waste of time and energy, leading only to frustration. Instead of floundering in the past, release your mistakes to me. Look to me and trust, anticipating that my infinite creativity can weave both good choices and bad into a lovely design. Because you are human, you will continue to make mistakes. Thinking that you should live an air-free life is symptomatic of pride. Your failures can be a source of blessing, humbling you, and giving you empathy for other people and their weakness. Best of all, failure highlights your dependence on me." I think when we carry our ideas and our dreams by ourselves, we're only going to continue to get demolished by the doubt and the fear. But when we speak those things, when we text somebody or email somebody or just share our dreams then we've held ourselves accountable. And then our loved ones can say, hey, hey, how's that, how's that dream going? You know, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh gosh, I guess I have to start. Because that's what I did for three years with the hotels. I would just, even on stage, I would tell audiences, I'm gonna build a hotel. I didn't even believe it in the moment. Um, but then there, there becomes this, this swell of community that starts to really support me okay, I really love that hotel idea, like you need to do that. And even my wife in the middle of the night, sometimes she would just say, gosh, I hope before you die, if you do nothing else, please pursue the Purpose Hotel. Um, And I could have just kept that idea from her, but she was the one just over and over and over just telling me, please do that. So I think we have to speak things, if nothing else, just to build up the community around us to believe in us. I'm a photographer, I've just got a camera, but I'm just gonna take pictures of people and show them the beauty of who they are. Nothing in it for me, it's not a portfolio thing, it's just giving ourselves away, and um, I think anybody can do that, you know? Uh, Even if it's not your specific talent, even if it's giving yourself away and listening to somebody or loving somebody, that's what God calls us to do from the get-go, so it's the most beautiful thing we can do.
1: To find out more about Jeremy Cowart's photography and The Purpose Hotel, visit jeremycowart.com. You can pre-order Jeremy's new book, I'm Possible, from your favorite book retailer today. Stay with us as we continue our discussion about faith and purpose with TV show host and writer Elizabeth Hasselbeck after this brief message about a beautiful new edition of Jesus Calling.
0: In the days that are dark, where the news isn't good, when we're looking desperately for answers, or just looking to be heard. We just want someone to listen, someone to hear our fervent prayers. More than ever, people need help. More than ever, people need hope. And more than ever, people need to know that they are heard.
1: Jesus Listens is a 365-day prayer devotional with short, heartfelt prayers based on Scripture, written to deepen your relationship with God. Learn more about Jesus Listens and download a free sample at JesusCalling.com slash Listens. Looking to introduce a friend or a loved one to the peace that can be found by spending time with God daily? There's a beautiful new edition of Jesus Calling that makes a gorgeous gift for someone who might be seeking a new perspective for a new year. It's the same Jesus Calling daily devotional that has inspired over 25 million readers, now updated with a lovely fabric cover and eye-catching foil with feminine floral touches. This elegant new version also features large text and written-out scripture verses with each passage. For more information about this stunning new edition of Jesus Calling, visit JesusCalling.com botanical. That's JesusCalling.com botanical. Now, let's get back to the second half of our program. Our next guest is former talk show host and writer Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Hasselbeck rose to prominence as a contestant on the second season of the reality television show Survivor, where she finished in fourth place. In July 2002, she joined the daytime talk show The View. After 10 years on the show, she went on to join Fox & Friends. Elizabeth shares her experiences in each of her roles in television and relates how, in looking for her calling, she found herself running ahead of God. During these seasons of change, she related how she's learned to wait for God's guidance as He helps her identify her unique purpose in the world.
2: I'm Elizabeth Hasselbeck, um, former, I guess, television broadcast talk TV show host. <laughs> Whatever that title was, um, blessing along the way to to do that and now um, currently enjoying season as CBO, Chief Breakfast Officer in our home and um, just enjoyed a real writing season that came unexpectedly in the quiet of taking some time off. Um, Mom of three awesome kids. I'm thankful for a husband and a family that like supported my desires to do um, the things that I was doing at the time and still do now. Um, I'm thankful for the chance to have a season where I'm home with the kids in the morning so I can send them off to school. We grew up a um, family of four, my mom, my dad, my brother, Ken, myself, um, and it was just an awesome creative home. My dad, um, he's an architect, brilliant man, um, and really instilled like a confidence in us to just try anything, and my mom um, just had an awesome reverence to her always. and. Um, She worked so hard in all that she did. Um, She's an attorney by trade, and they're just great parents. I think that they just um, raised us really well to be individual thinkers and loving, caring people. Like, they really, I think, trained our eyes as we grew to see other people well and to feel um, other people. And so they just grew our hearts really well and provided the soil for that. Um, And I grew up in a Catholic home, so I grew up a lot of the times at my grandmother's house um, after school. Uh, My papa um, went to heaven when I was in about third grade, and so my grandmother lived alone. So to keep her company, and also she helped my parents when they were working by picking us up after school sometimes, and spent a lot of time with mama. And mama was just devoted to prayer. She prayed, When, when she wasn't cooking, she was praying. When she wasn't pulling things out of her garden, she was praying. And so I just grew up knowing that prayer was Um, Not something for one time a day, but something that was essential all times of day. I always felt like a really tender, special relationship with God. Like I remember always praying, so it wasn't something that was foreign to me. So that was something that, um, like I said, was just unlocked early. I knew what prayer looked like, and I knew what prayer looked like in some tough situations. And my dad had this really optimistic faith. As well and you know my mom's probably more vocal my dad is a little more quiet um, so I got to see different ways that faith could um, articulate itself and um, but my parents were such encouragers I mean they just kind of thought well, if you work hard at something you can do this God as our father does all the time you know it just gave me this glimpse of what God says to us like God's like I know you I see you Go show them. Now, I've got a great work ethic because my parents exemplified that for me, and a great heart for the bigger. I love being part of a team, so I will do anything to not let the team down, and that's kind of how I operate. Sometimes your words can get ahead of the Spirit. You know, There's danger in that. There's not a ton of room for the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does best if you don't leave it room, and so in a live television environment, which I was in for almost 15 years, um, there's a lot of room to mess up and to say something maybe that wasn't as soft as you could have said it. I think my proudest moments are the days that I could go home and say, God, did I please you? Did I stand up for you? Did I, did I share with somebody that you're who I rely upon um, in those tough days? had the blessing of interviewing every living president right now but one. I've had a lot of opportunities to sit with extraordinary people who've done really wildly successful things, um, and those are always instructive moments for me, to see like the personal side of someone who's had such progress in life and and just productivity. Sometimes, I think those the failure moments for me were articulated in a way that maybe put more about what I stood for above the God I stood under. And I think that can get challenging because you want to, I think Bob Goff says, like, God does not need you as his attorney. And he's been such an instructor to me and a teacher to me. I think there are sometimes I can look back and be like, man, did I spend that whole morning defending God instead of just being loving? I think having the chance to step away from broadcasting in 10 years where I was in a hot debate every day. They were not easy issues. The women that I sat there with at The View, um, we took on topics that you weren't supposed to talk about. And... That was tricky, and I think there were some times that I feel like, gosh, did I use, was I too sharp in that? Could they really see Jesus through me, or was I just defending this God that I knew? And so now having stepped back from all of that and the pressure, and pressure can make you do a couple of things. It can make you run away or it can make you charge forward. I think sometimes I charge forward with such fight. So I think understanding someone's point of view requires being next to them and with them and just kind of like snuggling up behind their lens. And I thought that was the most fun thing about what I got to do every day. And so I, I started thinking about that a little bit more and with the title of the book, if I was so trained in getting behind the lens, like what lens am I looking at through? What lens do I see through every day? You know, the title of the book is called Point of View. And if you've ever studied broadcasting or been a part of it or watched something on TV, you know that as the person who's interviewing, your job, so my job was to get behind the lens of the person telling the story. You get to tell their story best. If you get the blessing to, sh- to look at someone's story and tell it, man, that's awesome. But what it requires to do it well and fully is to really get behind their lens. And then when you're talking about an issue, we all see things differently. And so that's kind of where the book came from. After, after really trying to see the point of view and deliver a point of view on topics, I thought, man, there's one that's just so good. I think one thing I figured out in writing this book is that God has a lot of invitations for us every single day, and they're all awesome. And the ones that he's put before me were, they seem wild, like saying yes to Survivor, you know, Designing Shoes for Puma when I didn't really study Designing Shoes in college, or getting on The View and talking about these hot topics for 10 years with Barbara Walters, or all of a sudden jumping into delivering live television news, like real news, not opinion news, in the morning every day because you're voicing one opinion and then there's another and for 10 years and i will say people sometimes look at the view and they're like those women are crabbing at each other or they're just at each other and i'm like listen we operated like a family we just didn't do that and go away we came back the next day so underneath all of the debates that we have there and had there their relationships Like Whoopi and I, this shocks everybody, Whoopi and I are friends, like dear friends, and I love her. We think nothing alike, but we love a lot alike. And I think she's been an awesome blessing in my life because we're not trying to change the other person's opinions, we're just loving each other well. In life, like God lets you overlap with people sometimes, it's by no mistake. Like he really wants you to just be near those people in whatever way you can. And Candace has been such a dear friend it brought me such joy knowing that she was gonna be at the view um, when I was no longer there. It was almost like God being like, see, because oftentimes it gives you the what before the why. And you're like, Why I want the why to justify the what, but the what's happening, you know, you're like, I'm like, why am I leaving? Well when Candace got there, I'm like, This is a why, you know. I'm so thankful that she's there. And so in the process of writing, like the project that was being written and the message that um, was being delivered was really just God wanting all of me and all of my heart and more of my heart that i had given him before. And the process of writing this did that. He had some work to do in my heart. And so it's like, all right, God, if you ask me to do this, then I'm going to do it. And I'm just going to trust you're going to lead me through it. And it was a day of surrender. Like I have to constantly surrender again because I wasn't really sure that my story had a value. And I had this day where it's like, listen, if I created you, God says, and if I have a story in you, would you ever tell someone sitting across from you that their story had no value or worth and that God's work in their heart wasn't as important as somebody else's or unique? Like everyone has one. I'd actually encourage everyone just write down where you've been and where you've seen God in it because it's like, he's there. He just wants you to see it. And so for me, it was just casting out that fear that this just wasn't gonna be what someone thought it would be and it would let somebody down. I believe that God met me at Fox, but I do believe that I kind of went ahead of his blessing and sort of sought it out for myself. And he was so good to me. He put awesome people waiting there for me. He knew I was gonna like, you know, ask him for his blessing as I was like rounding third, stealing home, trying to get a job to prove to the last place that had me, that didn't want me anymore, that I still had value but I was working so hard to not let anybody down and do the job so well that I was over exhausting myself in that one area because I didn't feel like I should be there. And I wish I would have rested more in that. I wish I would have um, had more confidence in that area, but that's okay. Um, It brought me to my knees in a new way. It It brought me to prayer in a new way. I was literally on my knees with Jesus calling with like one contact in every morning, just trying to get my mind right. I'd say, Philip, on the good news before the hard news. But he showed up for me in a way that was awesome. And it allowed me, what he allowed for me in that time was the daily habit of being on my knees in the word of God, in Jesus calling to get me through a season that started with me going ahead of his instructions. Leaving there meant that I was leaving those early mornings and leaving a desperate physical situation because I was exhausted. But it didn't leave behind my desire to kind of control my circumstances and not surrender to God all of it. Like, I literally got home and I was like, I've got this now. And I'm like, that's the problem. You don't. Not, not in the office and not at home. And so I almost had a different set of rules for like mothering at home and being at home than I did um, for work. I was like, well, I should have surrendered it all to God, but as soon as I got everything at home, I tried to reclaim it again. And God was like, no, I am not asking you to have it all and hold it all and do it all. I'm really not. When I left Fox, I thought I had given up on that life. I'm giving up on this. I can't do it. I can't, I'm not going to bed early enough. I'm not. I'm trusting myself to study enough. I'm not the mom I want to be right now. I'm not the wife I want to be right now. I give up. And I thought that was enough. I literally thought that giving up on that job of broadcasting dreams was enough to bring my heart where it needed to be, but it wasn't. It required giving it over. I'm so thankful for Jesus Calling. I'm like, Jesus Calling provided me that friend who was like, this is what God's saying you today exactly today this is what you need, and then here's where you're going to open up in your Bible. It was just like, it was like that friend who is saying like, this is what God's speaking over you today, and I know this is what you're saying. It was like this, your very best friend um, anointed by God who is there specifically to like point your eyes to him. And I think it was, it was just this gentle, awesome, generous gift of a friend early in the morning that could just point my eyes and it always seemed to be just right. It just, it just always seemed to be just right. Like I'd oftentimes, like I'd say to Tim, I'm like, I mean, does Sarah Young know? Like does Sarah know that I'm leaving work tomorrow? Does she know that tomorrow's the day I have to say goodbye to everybody at Fox on December 21st is the day before my tomorrow. And tomorrow I felt so carried in the Holy Spirit on that day that I said goodbye to my team at Fox and that I couldn't continue to do and be the teammate that they needed. And that was really hard. And the day before I was filled with worry and filled with what ifs, like, is this the right decision? Is this the right path you have me on God? And I opened it up and it was exactly about that. And it says, my plan for your life is unfolding before you. Sometimes the road you are traveling seems blocked or it opens up so painfully slowly that you must hold yourself back. Then, when the time is right, the way before you suddenly clears, through no effort of your own. What you have longed for and worked for I present to you freely as pure gift. You feel awed by the ease with which I operate in the world, and you glimpse my power and my glory. Do not fear your weakness, for it is a stage on which my power and glory perform most brilliantly. As you persevere along the path I have prepared for you, depending on my strength to sustain you, expect to see miracles. And you will. It was like, is she here? <laughs> Sarah, are you here? But I tell you what, God has used her. And I, t- I meet so many people who have been like, you know what? I felt that way too. I don't think that I could have gotten through that season without just the daily on my knees, in the dark, with the light of my phone or flashlight on Jesus Calling. I don't. It was a huge gift to me. It was a huge gift. I'm having a hard time keeping myself together during this because, you know, I really felt like guilty for leaving something so good. You know, I had like the best team. And when I read, I present to you freely as a pure gift, oh my like, God, you're giving me an opportunity to thank everybody and go. It was just permission to be fully weak and say, I can't do this anymore. Um, But that very day of admitting that I can't do this anymore was a day where I felt so much of his love and power um, and permission um, just to glorify him in that process. So this was, it just allowed me to fully prepare for what the next day held. And um, there were so, I can say this about December 21st, but I could say it about so many other pages in this devotional because I just think it's it's blessed to be a blessing and I experienced that and I'm so thankful for that. I still struggle with like guilt or the where am I supposed to be? you know, I'm here but I'm supposed to be there. Um, I get asked a lot like, how did you balance it all? I didn't. How do you balance it all now? I don't. My work looks different now it might be working from home and it might be traveling a little bit now and maybe writing it might be speaking it might not look like broadcasting right now or a television hosting right now but we're all working on something that God's given us like gifts for and God wants you he created us as like working living beings that are supposed to be doing and using the gifts that he gave us and so i think the lesson was you can leave your circumstances and they might be hard but and it it might change things for you a little bit, technically or logistically, but it doesn't change your heart. Only God can change your heart, and he still had work to do in my heart.
1: You can find Elizabeth Hasselbeck's book, Point of View, at your favorite bookseller today. If you enjoyed this interview with Elizabeth Hasselbeck and Jeremy Cowart about faith and purpose, you may enjoy our talks with other guests who have been mentioned during this show. Writer Bob Goff and actress Candace Cameron Bure. You can hear their stories of faith and more at JesusCalling.com slash podcast. Next time on the Jesus Calling podcast, we speak with former WWE wrestling champion Ted DiBiase, who was known by his wrestling moniker, the Million Dollar Man. Ted shares how he called out to God for help after losing his father at an early age.
2: I'd paced back and forth in front of that grave and cry and cry out to God. Ask God to give me help to, you know, be the man that I wanted to be and to achieve the goals I had set. My dad is gone, I won't see him till eternity, but I want him to be proud. You know, help my help me to, you know, show my mom why she shouldn't quit and give up on life. I prayed prayers like that.
1: Do you love hearing these stories of faith weekly from people like you whose lives have been changed by a closer walk with God? then be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review so that we can reach others with these inspirational stories. And you can also see these interviews on video as part of our original web series, with a new interview premiering every other Sunday on Facebook Live.